Welcome to the Plant Powered Life Podcast. So today we're going to be talking about a really important topic. This is probably the number one concern that people have when starting a plant-based diet. And that is, how much protein do you need in a day? A lot of people are really concerned that they're not going to get enough protein. And so I really want to help you understand this so that you can be confident in what you're eating and confident in what is healthy for your body. So let's get right into learning how much protein you need in a day. So it is important to understand that protein is an essential nutrient. It's important and it's not just, I mean, it's the amino acids, but you get what I'm saying. Protein is important for growth, tissue repair, enzymes, hormones, and many other processes in the body. But there's a lot of misconceptions about protein and how much we need. And a lot of this comes from researchers that conducted research on rats in 1914, long time ago, over 100 years ago. But if you understand the different protein needs between a human and a rat, then you'll understand why this has led to serious flaws in protein recommendations and our understanding of protein. So we're going to go over that. But I want you to understand one critical key piece of evidence about our needs for protein and that is this humans do not have taste buds for amino acids but cats and other omnivorous or carnivorous animals do why is this because humans do not have a need for concentrated protein and so we don't have taste buds for it we have taste buds for sweet which is how we get our energy sour salty bitter and savory We have enzymes in our saliva, amylase, that breaks down carbohydrates because that's our main source of fuel and that's what we need. So that is just another physiological feature that helps you understand what human nutrition needs are. Far more for carbohydrates than protein, which I find is interesting because we are afraid of carbohydrates and we obsess about protein, which is completely opposite of what we should be doing. There's just so much misunderstanding. So let's start out looking at the Institute of Medicine's protein recommendations. So first we're going to start out with non-pregnant adults. In non-pregnant adults, the Institute of Medicine recommends 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So what does that look like? Let's look at an average woman at 68 kilograms or 150 pounds. She would need 54 grams of protein a day, which equals out to be about 10.8% of calories, which I know a lot of you are thinking that doesn't sound like very much, but that's exactly what we need. The average male at approximately 88 kilograms or 195 pounds would need about 70 grams of protein a day or 11.2% of calories. So not a lot of protein, 54 to 70 grams of protein for an average size adult is not anywhere near what most of the popular um, nutritionists or bodybuilders or fitness people would tell you, but that's what we need. So the dietary need for protein in pregnancy is slightly different. The Institute of Medicine recommends 1.1 gram per kilogram of body weight. So it's a little bit more. And this is generally what bodybuilders also 
should aim for is 1.1 grams per kilogram of body weight. Now, does this mean you need to calculate this all out and obsess about it? No, because if you're working out, you're going to be a lot hungrier and you're just going to get more anyway. It's not that big of a deal. But I also want you to understand when I'm talking bodybuilders, I'm talking about competitive bodybuilding. I'm not talking about just your average Joe that's going out and lifting weights and you know, wants to build muscle. You can build muscle on 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight very easily. So you don't need to go and try to calculate um, based on this, okay? The protein push that we see is at the expense of so many other aspects of health that are actually more important. We do need to consume protein in our diet. However, our body also uses endogenous amino acids. What does that mean? Amino acids from our body. And this is what makes protein needs much less than what most people and even professionals realize. So nitrogenous food stimulates the digestive tract to secrete endogenous protein that's derived from the sloughing off of intestinal cells, used up digestive enzymes, which are recycled and provide a rich source of essential amino acids to our body. So what does that mean? When our intestinal tract sloughs off cells and digestive enzymes are used, they're broken down into the amino acids and our bodies can reuse them. And a lot of people don't realize this. This is another reason why we just don't have that high of protein needs. But I want you to, I want to look at this research from 1914. Um, and how they got this idea of incomplete proteins and, um, and why the human protein requirements were estimated to be so much higher than we actually need. So we're going to look at milk. First, we're going to look at human milk. Human mother's milk is 1.2 milligrams of protein per liter. You know what a liter is? It's a lot. Okay, 1.2 milligrams per liter. And how long does it take a human baby to double in birth weight? About 120 days, approximately four months. That's not, you know, like set in stone. But then let's look at a horse. What are horses? Horses are herbivores. A horse's milk is 2.4 milligrams of protein per liter. Double. Double the amount of protein then is found in human milk. And this is an herbivorous animal. And a horse doubles its birth weight in 60 days or two months. So you can see the vast difference even in horses. And then let's look at a cow. Cow's milk is generally what we stick to. Uh, we don't drink horse milk. <laughs> uh, but cow's protein needs are very different because they grow a lot more rapidly than humans. Cow's milk is 3.3 milligrams per liter, and a cow doubles its birth weight in about 47 days. Then I want to look at an omnivorous animal, which is a dog. I know a lot of us think dogs are carnivores, but they're not. They are, they are um, omnivores. Dog's milk is 7.1 milligrams. So 7 to 1 is a big difference. And they double their birth weight, puppies double their birth weight in eight days. So notice how the growth of the infant determines how much protein is in the mother's milk. And then we go to the rat. 
Rats are 11.8 milligrams per liter. So we're looking at from 1.2 to 11.8, big, big, big difference. And they double their birth weight in 4.5 days. So now you can see how um, vastly different the protein needs are and how we got so confused when we started studying rats because they are very different from humans. Surprise, surprise, right? So many people have this idea that animal foods contain protein which is superior in quality than the protein found in plants. And this misconception dates back to 1914 when Lafayette B. Mendel and Thomas B. Osborne studied the protein requirements of rats, just like we talked about. And they found the nutritional requirements for individual amino acids for rats. And they saw that rats grew better on animal sources of protein versus vegetable sources. So they came up with this idea that vegetable foods had insufficient amounts of amino acids essential for growth. And this became the basis for the high recommendations of protein for humans. But again, humans are not rats. We are not the same. And this is kind of where that idea of incomplete proteins came from. Rats have higher cysteine and methionine requirements than humans. And these are uh, sulfur-containing amino acids. And they're important for building feathers, fur, that type of a thing. But clearly humans do not have as high of a need for these because we do not need to grow feathers and fur and that type of a thing. And high sulfur-containing amino acids has been shown to be very hard on the kidneys and can cause a calcium imbalance in the body, which can lead to calcium loss in the urine. So it's really important that we understand this because our health does depend on it. So when we hear about the biological value of protein, this is a very old way of rating protein based on the amino acid profile in eggs, which it was because eggs promoted rapid growth in rats. And so they decided that that was the protein that we were to base all other, the quality of all other proteins on. And it just is not... Um, it just doesn't equate into what humans need, obviously. So we're going to look at amino acids in foods. So remember, um, looking at the research of Dr. William Rose. So in 1942, Dr. William Rose decided to study people instead of rats. What a novel idea. Probably much better. So he was using the same methodology that had been used in rats. And it's a chemical measurement called nitrogen balance. I'm sure you've heard of that. And he was using this to determine whether the people that were in the study were getting enough usable protein from the food that they were eating. And from his experiments, Dr. Rose found that only eight of the 10 amino acids that were essential to rats were actually essential to people. And so we were starting to see, oh, there's actually a difference. And realize these things were going on as early as 1942, and yet we like to pick from the 1914 studies on rats. It just doesn't make any sense, but this is what a lot of people do. So he determined a minimum level of intake for each of the essential amino acids, and then a maximum amount. And that's what we're going to look at here in a minute. I want you to pay close attention to this. Dr. Rose found using nitrogen balance tests the minimum amount of protein necessary for nitrogen balance in humans was 20 grams a day. Did you hear that? 20 grams a day, which is not very much at all. 
The recommended amount was 37 grams a day, which is what the World Health Organization recommends. So now let's look at this. I'm going to use Dr. Rose's maximum amount to give you an idea of the protein requirements. And this is in a um, per serving. So Dr. Rose says the minimum amount of tryptopan, tryptophan needed is 0.5. Corn has 0.66, brown rice 0.71, oatmeal 1.4, potatoes 0.8, sweet potatoes 0.8, broccoli is 3.8, wheat flour is 1.4, um, so all of those plant foods have more than the recommended amount of tryptophan. Let's look at phenylalanine. The maximum amount needed is 0.56. Corn has six. Brown rice has three. Oatmeal has five. And I'm not saying point. I'm saying six. So you need 0.56. Corn has six. Potatoes have 3.6. Sweet potatoes, 2.5. Broccoli's 12.2. Clearly, we get plenty of phenylalanine. Then let's look at leucine. His maximum amount of leucine is 2.2. Corn has 2.2, the exact same amount. Brown rice is 5.5. Oatmeal is 8. Are you seeing a trend here? Potatoes have 4. Sweet potatoes have 2.6. All of the essential amino acids. Look at isoleucine. The maximum amount, Dr. Rose said, is 1.4. Corn has 12. Brown rice has 3. Oatmeal has 5.6. Every single one of these foods have more than the recommended amount. We go to lysine, valine, methionine, threonine. Every single one of these amino acids, you will probably at least double the amount of all of the essential amino acids that your body needs, whether you're eating corn, brown rice, oatmeal, potatoes, sweet potatoes, broccoli, or even flour. They all about double it, at least equal it. So where is the missing amino acids here? These are just the essential ones. It doesn't mean they don't have the others, but um, there is no deficiency in any of the essential amino acids in any of these foods. And he went out and charted all of this. So I don't know why people are still promoting this idea that, that, um, plant foods are incomplete proteins. We have proof that they're not. So Dr. Rose's investigations were completed in the spring of 1952. And when he finished it, it resulted in 16 papers in the Journal of Biological Chemistry that are considered classic contributions in the history of nutri nutrition for the benefit of human beings. Why we do not look at this, I don't know, but these are very classic, extremely important research papers that were published that disprove all of this garbage about plants being incomplete proteins and not giving you enough. It's just not the case. It just is not. It, this idea has been so pervasive, but it is not accurate. Even registered dietitians will tell you this, that you have to combine proteins and plants are incomplete proteins, and it's not true it's just not true okay um we talk about protein deficiency and a lot of people are worried about being deficient in protein i don't know if you've ever met anyone that's been deficient in protein but i can tell you you have not so in his book physiology economy and nutrition russell henry chittenden who is the former president of the american physiological society and professor of physiologically physiological chemistry at yale wrote in 1905, 
Quote, protein decomposition products are a constant menace to the well-being of the body. Any quantity of protein or albuminous food beyond the real requirements of the body may prove distinctly injurious. Further, it requires no imagination to understand the constant strain upon the liver and kidneys to say nothing of the possible influence upon the central and peripheral parts of the nervous system by these nitrogenous waste products which the body ordinarily gets rid of as speedily as possible, end quote. I know that's a mouthful, but he's pretty much saying that the metabolic waste produced by eating too much protein is injurious to the body. The liver, the kidneys is not good for you. So there's a study published in the Proceedings of the Nutrition Society looking at children in India on plant-based diets to determine the protein adequacy of a plant-based diet for children. And they stated, quote, consistent with reports, high lysine maize supports similar weight and height growth to that of casein, the protein found in cow's milk. Inadequate amino acid supply is not an issue with most cereal-based diets, end of quote. So they were even looking at children and saying children eating grain-based diets, starch-based diets, do not have any issues with growth or anything like that. Um, our bodies are not designed for high protein intake. Many people point to the Inuit Eskimos, a lot of these organizations, I'm not going to name them, as an example of health because they consume a diet low in fruits and vegetables and they say that they have lower cardiovascular disease. They, these Inuit Eskimos are not the picture of health. They have short lifespans. In fact, they have one of the highest rates of osteoporosis in the world due to their high protein intake. So th these are not people that you want to be following. So let's talk about protein deficiency. Kwashiorkor's disease was labeled protein deficiency for many, many years. But it has recently been relabeled from protein deficiency to protein energy deficiency. Because protein deficiency cannot occur without insufficient calorie intake. Did you hear that? Protein deficiency cannot occur without insufficient calorie intake. Amino acids or the building blocks for protein are actually made by plants. Did you know that? Not animals. Animals get their amino acids and protein from eating plants. Plants absorb nitrogen from the soil in order to create amino acids which are necessary for making protein. Plants make all 20 amino acids. Every single amino acid out there, plants make them. Then the herbivorous animal eats them, makes the amino acids, and that is how where they originally come from. We cannot synthesize amino acids, obviously. They are required in our diet, but the original source of all protein is plants. That is just basic truth. Okay. So if we were to look at 2000 calories of simple plant foods, let's see how many, um, how much protein we would get. So if you were to eat 2000 calories of potatoes, you would get 52 grams of protein. How much was required? Do you remember? 54 to 70 grams of protein. Now there are men, a man that's 200 pounds is going to need more than 2,000 calories a day, by the way. Um, so he probably would eat about 2,500 calories, maybe up to 3,000 calories, and would get probably 70 grams of protein or more. 
So 52 grams of protein is right around the recommended amount. It it contains 135% of your daily value of cysteine, 132% histidine, 184% isoleucine, 123% leucine. Are you seeing a trend here? If I go through all of the essential amino acids, the lowest one is 123% of your daily value. So you're getting all of your essential protein from potatoes alone, 2,000 calories of potatoes alone. You probably wouldn't have realized that potato was that amazing. Oats. So if you ate 2,000 calories of only oats, nothing else. Remember we talked about we don't need to combine proteins. You would get 70 grams of protein from oats. And again, the lowest amino acid there is lysine at 187% of your daily value. Some of these you're getting up to 450% of your daily value of an essential amino acid. So you're not deficient and you don't need to combine foods. If all you wanted to eat was potatoes every day, you would get all the protein that you need. And a lot of people just don't realize this, but it is very, very true. So when we're talking about eating and getting enough protein, There is no way that you cannot get enough. Did you know white flour has protein? Even white rice, all foods have protein. So what about an athlete? Well, your calorie needs increase when you're an athlete. Your hunger increases, so you end up eating more food. The challenge is not getting enough protein. That's not the issue. The issue is eating enough calories. That's the issue. Um, If you are eating a low-calorie-dense diet, and you're very athletic or you're working out a lot, you may need to increase the calorie density of your diet in order to get enough nutrients and calories, but you don't necessarily need to count, calculate, and all of that kind of stuff. You would need to increase your consumption of legumes, nuts, seeds, some of those higher calorie-dense foods to get your calorie requirements, and that's about it. But the greatest time of growth in your life is in the first two years of your life. A baby doubles in weight within the first 120 days of life. And during this time, mother's milk supplies about 6.3% of calories from protein. So if when you're doubling your weight in, whenever are you going to double your weight in 120 days? I don't think any of us want to do that. You only need 6.3% of your calories from protein. I think you're going to be just fine. So... I'm hoping that you're understanding the needs for protein and this was really helpful for you to show you that even if you are only eating potatoes or even if you're only eating oats and there are many other things, corn and broccoli, the only thing with vegetables is they don't contain enough calories to sustain life. You would fill your stomach far before you could consume enough calories and vegetables. Vegetables are very high in protein But you just can't eat enough of them in order to get the protein you need. So broccoli, for instance, um, it contains all of the amino acids, but it would be very difficult to get enough. So broccoli, if you were able to eat 2,000 calories of broccoli, you'd get 135 grams of protein. (laughs) So way more than enough. The problem is the amount of broccoli that that would be would be your stomach would never be able to hold that. And I do recognize that. But I want you to understand broccoli has protein. It's an amazing source. When you eat food, all the plant foods, 
um, you're going to be just fine. There's no reason to calculate it. There's no reason to worry about it. You're going to have enough protein. If you are under 152 pounds or under 150 pounds as a woman, you're going to need less than the, the 56 grams a day. So instead of worrying about protein, let's just worry about eating healthy foods that you enjoy eating. That is the only thing that you need to worry about. Eat them until you feel satisfied and you will be perfectly fine. There's no reason for you to calculate, weigh, measure, or do any of those things. You're going to get enough. But if you do have any questions about this, if you want some of the links to the resources that I talked about today, I have all the links to the research and all of that. If you would like it, please contact me on my website or direct message me on Instagram. Let me know. I'd be happy to give you those links or answer any of your questions that you have. Please let me know. If you feel like you need a little bit of help tweaking your diet so that you're getting um, the results that you want, I do offer uh, consultations and one-on-one -on -one coaching. So please check out my website for that if you feel like you need a little bit more help or a little bit more information or you're just not getting the results that you want, please let me know. I would be happy to help you in any way that I can. I really appreciate you joining me today and I will see you next time.